Hey everybody, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Climb Forward Podcast. It's been a little while, you know, I've been busy with uh, school and with work, but hey, we're back at it. So today's guest is Cody Connor. Cody had a pretty bad accident while he was still in the Navy, and he ended up being in the emergency room, had some neurological disorder, and you know, the doctors didn't think he'd make it out of it, but you know, today's a, a successful college student, I think he has a 4.0. He wants to be a neuropsychologist or neurologist or something something I can't really pronounce <laughs> without messing it up. So anyway, I'll quit uh, fumbling that and I'll let Cody tell his story. And this is it. Uh, that okay we're, we're, I'm already recording but you know we'll cut it out whatever it doesn't matter um, it's just a conversation um, something obviously I can't talk about like my personal in the detail that I would like to I can't talk about my stuff because people from work might listen in it's more about like climb four and, and the veteran if I make it about me I'll scare a bunch of people and I'll probably have restraining orders put on me so not in my favor to do so unfortunately because you know me, it's like I don't give a shit nine, 98% of the time. But yeah. you got to play that game, unfortunately. So, all right, we're recording. Let me, the meeting ID should be in that link, too. So, what the hell am I? Right. Oh, got it. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep, there you go. 213. Excuse me, 212. 3743. Meeting password. Oh, I got it. Seven. Uniform zero. Mike. Quebec. Zulu. Says you need to let me in. My God. Story of my life. <laughs> all right okay cool yeah so go ahead and hang up on your phone and awesome okay hang on let me make sure my can you hear me okay yeah you sound fine okay dude hold on let me send this uh let me send this text message real quick and then uh yeah get this thing started
feel like the more time I spend like drafting a text message, the, the less I'm going to think about it. The more I'm going to think about it later on, the more I'm going to want to change what I said. Or yes. Out, I'm just like, okay, cool. Like I got my point across. Like, That's shit. my biggest problem with text message. <laughs> yeah. I always, I'm always so, like caught up on like wording it exactly how I want to. And then I find I spend 20 minutes sending like two sentences. And then as soon as I send it, I, I do the same thing. I think about it all day. Like, ah, oh, I should have worded it this way, or I should have said this, or I should have, yep. Yeah, I've already, I've already pre-planned like two hours of just like gestating on this. Because I'm like, I'm, what I'm, I'm going to say is like, hey, I'm sending these documents. I need a little bit more time so that it's to your liking. But instead, to, how do I say to your liking better and more professionally? Well, I should probably yeah. say qualitatively, you know, satisfactorily. Like I'm writing an eval. So I don't know. I'm just going to send it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is, So when did you get to Colorado? August 1st. Okay. So what's today? The, well, it's September 20th. So you've been there, been over a month now. Yeah. Nice. What, what prompted you to move there? It was school? Uh, it was a destination place, kind of like we wanted to retire here. We wanted to be able to do outdoors. We were, we, after going to San Diego for so long and then coming back to Texas, like, I finally realized Texas really only has like two to three months at most of actual outdoor activities. I don't mind working in 105, but I'm not taking my five-year-old and eight-year-old outside and they're not having the time of their life when it's 105. And then our winters in Texas, as you know, are are rigidly miserable. It's like 35 degrees rain. It's just misery. And then uh, finally realized that, oh, and CSU, there was the idea that I wanted to do the neuroscience degree and I saw my interests being facilitated more so here in Colorado with the decriminalization of psilocybin, uh, the legalization of marijuana and LSD and MDMA and all that coming in. I thought I could do a lot more of the research I wanted to at CSU. And so those two things together, a good idea fairy came and said, you know, you can use the GI bill as your income. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, cause that's the biggest issue with moving out of state is like, well, how do you secure income? And the GI bill, I knew my income started when my butt sat down in a seat. And uh, so we just kind of worked on that, planned on it for a year and made the move out here. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's all like, it's really good points. I'm, I'm thinking about the things you brought up, like securing the income is, I mean, that's really like the biggest deal. And that's probably one of the more salient issues I think with anything. You know, no matter what we're doing or where I'm going, I've got to have money, right? Yep. The great thing about the GI Bill for us is, and I've, I've been using that to get my degree as well. You get a monthly stipend just for books, um, and then you get, you know, however much they, they give you based on the zip code. So are you making less based on the zip code? Yes, because yeah. okay. the community colleges right. and stuff that I was going to back home or in Texas were actually in like mesquite and the dallas metroplex so i was getting dallas bah which was sitting at like 1998 and then now here in fort collins it's like 17 and some change yeah so it's a little bit less but cost of living is also less 
cost of living's lower, so it kind of makes up for that. And San Diego is just ridiculous. I mean, like, you know, I was living up in Orange County <clears throat> when I was going on ground to to Pepperdine before I went back to online. And uh, yeah, pretty decent chunk of change, but that's most of it's gone. Um, yep. Because I, kinda, I I could do like the smart thing that people want to who want to save money do and uh, get like a, a roommate and like a cheaper place. But I kind of like not luxury, but I like a better you know kind of living environment. Um, yeah. Right. It's also like weirdly kind of more cold and distant, which is the situation I found myself in. But I don't know. It's weird how that worked out. Well, COVID didn't help with that. I mean, yep. this this social social lockdown is yeah. exhausting. Dude, it's 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 hit me a lot harder than I thought it would. You know, at first it was like, okay, well, we just from yeah. So like, you and I need to be interacting with people. You have people to interact with like all day long, and it just I don't know how you do it. Like you have like what two kids and a wife running around and having to, but it's still, it, it's not, I didn't realize how much of a social being I was yeah. until COVID hit. And then I was locked in the house with a five-year-old and an eight-year-old and my wife, she was going to work a lot, but like, that's not the social, that's not the social interaction that I necessarily needed sure. right. to be mentally stable. And I realized, you know, after months of doing this, that, I, I don't know. I've had a job since I was 12 years old. And so I've always had that kind of social interaction. And then the military, you understand the camaraderie and the brotherhood. And then I've always had that. And then COVID hit and I stopped going to school because I've got my associates and I wasn't going to use any more GI till I got here to Colorado. So there was like a six month lull of not going to school and just locked in a house with a five-year-old and eight-year-old. And wow. it, it was hard it's still hard you know now we moved to a whole new state to where we know nobody Uh, no family no friends closest person i know is like two and a half hours away uh, and i haven't seen or talked to the guy in years it's just somebody i served with um and so now with this lockdown there's no clubs at the school uh there's only i only have one class in person and it's still masked six feet apart and as soon as the class is over everybody scrams and so like the kids even, you know, the kids aren't going to school right now because here in Colorado, they're doing the virtual learning for the first couple of months. And it's like, none of us are getting to meet anybody. Yeah. Yeah. That's rough, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, you, pointed, you pointed it out. It's like, I feel the same way. You know, I, it's funny growing up, like I was always very quiet, right. Very shy is what they used to call it. Now they call it, you know, various diagnoses. Um, but I just, I never felt I was like a social person. I felt like I was always more comfortable, my own place, my own space. And that's just what I, that's just who I was. I think after the military or right around the military is when I started to kind of come out of that shell. Like I had to brief people. I had to talk to people constantly, like the brotherhood, right? Like it's a real, it's, it ended up being something more intimate than, than I'd ever realized. I didn't realize it until I left. Um, but it was something about the strengthening of bonds from one person to the next that I had craved so much more than I had ever realized. So then you have COVID that happens now and I'm like by myself in the room, you know, just, and it, it, the effect it had on me is just draining, like soul draining, like the connection I get with somebody. And this is, this is an okay substitute, but like, there's nothing that beats in person. There's an energy exchange that a camera just can't quite pick up. And it's weird to like see myself talking and then like, I'm looking at you and your response and all that stuff. So a lot of different things that have to kind of be filtered out just to have a conversation. So yep. it, it's exhausting whenever it does happen, but it's not connection. Not really. 
No, no, I, I totally agree. And, and it's the long-term effects of this, you know, uh, getting into like the philosophical side of like, as you know, with the psychology degree and stuff, I, I got a five-year-old and, and these, what, four to seven are, are, are pivotal in development of self-worth and all those other things and the social interaction for your kindergarten and first grade years, you're doing more social learning than you are academic learning. And now that's being stunted, you know, so to speak in the kids. And this, I, I said at the start of this COVID thing that I was more worried about the long-term ripple effects of this economic, social behavior than I was of the COVID itself. And yeah. the more this drags on, I, I'm becoming more and more scared of the long-term effects of this. Yeah, for your kids, mostly for your kids is what it sounds like. Yeah, because it's like we are social beings, right? Uh, for the most part, we need each other. And to have that kind of like like insulated and then, like you said, stunted, you know, it's like what kind of effect is that going to have? Like what's the next generation going to look like? Because um, it's going to affect all of us, not just them within their generation, but the consequences thereof. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, I just, I know from my standpoint, an adult, quote unquote, by, by most accounts, is I find myself even like kind of becoming more reclusive. And, and with that comes all the other problems that, that have already been there. You know, like they, they can amplify and aggrandize. And if I don't like get out of myself and call people and talk to people, you know, I'll go to, I can see myself going to shit very quickly. Um, you know, it's just yep. a trajectory that, that people like us take. You mentioned the, the psilocybin and the, some of the uh, psychotropic medications. They're not medications, rather just like the plant medicine. In other words, yeah. What what's your interest in that? Like, what's what's your experience? I gotta let the dog out real quick. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. So obviously, uh, at my exposure, this is Riley, by the way. Oh, hey, what's up, Riley? He's gonna be annoying us the entire time. All right, dude. No, that's not. Um, but yeah. So I've had my experiences. I've got another one coming up actually really soon that I'm looking forward to. What, what have your experiences been on that? And, and why do you want to keep pursuing it? Um, I guess where to start. Uh, starting off experiences where we're recreational, you know, uh, lack of adult supervision growing up, was emancipated at a very, fairly young age. And uh, I, recreationally, I experimented with all that stuff. And then fast forward to my own personal struggle with addiction and stuff. Um, one of the tools that I used, so to speak, was uh, DMT uh, and had a really powerful moment with it. And uh, I think it played a big part in helping me uh, address some of the skeletons in the closet and, and put the addiction aside uh, and then continued uh, toying in the field, uh, been microdosing for two plus years now um and have had really really good results uh have also shared it with my spouse with my wife and uh she's also she she didn't have the the history that i have with drugs psychedelics and stuff and uh she's also seen some really beneficial effects of it and uh i believe it's i don't know i, I believe there's a lot to it uh with whether it's ketamine mdma um lsd dmt psilocybin i believe that there is something there um, looking back and reflecting on the recreational experiences of i had uh, with mdma back in the day i can remember having a, a 
hour and a half, two hour conversation with the Walmart checkout lady at like two in the morning. And it was like an incredibly emotional and impactful conversation. I cared. And then thinking about that experience and putting that into therapy, like I fully believe that there is something to the MDMA therapy, um, the, the experience that I had on DMT, um, and it's just, there's, there's something there, I believe. Um, and I've experienced and I can't wait to, to explore it because, because it's been so closed and not, not researched, not, there hasn't been anything done with it. And I think there's a lot of stuff there that can be really beneficial on the mass scale. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing that, that kind of stood out to me was, was your experience with the MDMA and, and this connection, this tunnel that was like opened up with like another human being, a complete stranger, you know, for yep. all intents and purposes, but yet you felt this extreme connection. You know, I've, I've done uh, some MDMA there. It wasn't really like, it was therapeutic for sure. And it was in a controlled setting, but it wasn't actual, the psychotherapy part was not there. So maps, you, you're familiar with maps, right? Okay. So they've, they've done uh, quite a bit when it comes to MDMA. In fact, they're on the forefront of pushing it forward for FDA regulation um, and showing that it shows efficacy and safety for human consumption. I think they're starting to phase in clinical trials, or they already have. But the great thing about that is that it opens you up so much, and it's hard to put into words. You know, each one yes. of these experiences, it, it just I, – I, I did a podcast with uh, Lynn Marie Morsky. I think it's the, the Plant Medicine Podcast. And that was like the, the most accurate I could possibly portray my experience with 5-MeO-DMT. And there's, suffice to say, it's, it's literally how I met God. Like I didn't, yep. I wasn't trying to do that. I didn't set an intent to do that. It's like you think you're going on this path and then this thing happens. There's no ego there. There's no me there. It's hard to say that to somebody. Like you are not there. This concept that we have of who we think we are is, is just a bunch of random connection of dots that are, for whatever reason, our fucking minds have to do to have this construct that, like, interacts with things. It's not who we fucking are. It's not even close. So, yeah, it's, it, it opens your mind and it opens your heart in a way that has to be experienced. It can't possibly be circumscribed and put into literature and peer-reviewed and, you know, randomized assignment. It can't just – those are great mechanisms for scientific method. Right. But they're not going to touch on the experiences which save people's lives. Trip of Compassion, if you haven't seen it yet. It's, I think it's on uh, Vimeo. I've seen it there. <clears throat> it takes place in Israel, and it's just, it's exactly how you described it. So very briefly, it's three different cases. And what they do with the MDMA therapeutic, Riley, stop. What they do with the MDMA psychotherapy is they have a male and a female there, right, because emotions come up and you want that, that safety mechanism there. And uh, they just do psychotherapy sessions under while they're under MDMA. They put on the shades, they put on the, the, the music, and then whenever they feel like it, they just come out of it. And dude, like, it, allowed, it has allowed them to process these things in a way that otherwise was impossible. Impossible. Yep. I, there is so much that can come from these. What have you been microdosing? Uh, LSD. Okay. What, what effect have you noticed from that? Um, more awareness of, of, uh, emotions. Um, like I can remember, I can't remember what the movie was, but 
one of the first kind of experiences of it, uh, of recognizing it having effect because it is, you know, sub perceptual if you're doing it right. Um, uh, but we were, I was at the movie theater with the kiddos and we were watching a movie and there was a scene with um, a father and son. And it was like, I almost started crying uh, just, and it wasn't like anything bad was happening. It was just, it was happy and positive. And, and I, but I could feel it so much more, you know, so much more aware of the moment, me sitting there with my son, watching this beautiful moment between another father and son on scene. Yeah. And, and I felt it more. And it's kind of like that just, just throughout the, um, throughout it, you know, um, throughout microdosing. Um, uh, it's kind of hard to say now at this point, because like I said, I've been doing it for, for almost two years. So it's kind yeah. of hard to, to compare to not. Um, and then I've thought about it. It's one of the reasons I wish that this stuff would be researched more because like it's all a guessing game and it's all uncharted territory of us trying to figure this out on our own. Um, but like, I would like to know, do I need, should I take a break? Should I reset that clock or that, that sensation? And I don't know. Uh, I, I would say overall, just more aware of the emotional, more self-aware. Um, I, I would like to think it probably had effects on my grade. Um, I finished my associates with a 4.0 and I noticed with that, with writing and stuff, I, I could word things better and it, and the, the writing flowed better. Yep. Um, yes. things like that, I guess. I, I've noticed some of that too. You know, I, I've done a, a few of these, not, not too many. I was never a big fan of LSD, you know, when I did take it, I don't know why it just, I, it just wasn't my thing. And that's, that's the other really important part of this. It's kind of like with antidepressants in the sense that you have to find one that's a good fit for you. And that can take some time and different, literally experimentation. Um, so LSD wasn't a, a great fit for me. Psilocybin even wasn't that fantastic. It was okay. Uh, but the one that really got me was 5-MeO and then of course MDMA. Um, mm -hmm. Some of this, you know, needs to be very carefully approached as well because MDMA well, number one, it's a derivative of methamphetamine, which is highly addictive. Um, you know, if you take too much of it for too long, you can get developed serotonin syndrome. You can develop, you know, just a lot of different things can happen that obviously we want to avoid. So mm -hmm. there's no point in getting broken on your way to getting healed. Uh, so it's, it definitely needs to be within certain bounds. But that being said, if it is carefully controlled to whatever extent it can be, I mean, the benefits can be substantial and subtle right? Like I'm just now starting to realize things that I, that started from a couple of years ago when I first took the plant medicine that I became that it's just like, it's so subtle that like, I don't even realize it until it's already happened. And then I'm like, that's not typically how I do things, but it, now it is though. And it's not a habit. I had to sit there and like, you know, do like a SWOT analysis and like, what are my strengths and weaknesses? Like it's not, this stuff can't necessarily be approached um, logically and with our higher executive functioning, it has to be something that's within that, but like outside of that at the same time, which is just the fucking woo woo voodoo shit of the medicine to begin with. So, yep. <laughs> you know, they have a lot of people in the tech industry that are multi multi millionaires and they've already satisfied everything in life they want to do. Now they want to be a purpose, right? So that's been like a big drive for some of this stuff as well. Um, running into those types and like you want to talk about fucking super, super smart people. Like it's scary. It's scary, um, but they want to be, they could be monsters if they wanted to, 
but instead they want to like come up with like how to design ecologies that are self-sustaining and blah, like all that, you know, fucking hippy dippy shit, but it's great because realizing like what they're going for is just more connection and really more of what we're trying to, to do. And in this call, like, dude, I haven't fucking talked to a whole lot of people on the phone, you know? So it's, these things are great, man. It's, it's what we need, but I don't want to get too far off track. Um, I want to keep it on the, at least for now, like some of the plant medicines is what, what else have you noticed? So what did you notice in your uh, spouse? What did Victoria repeat? Um, she's kind of long-term suffered with some general anxiety issues and stuff like that. And, uh, we, we haven't actually had a real sit down and discussion of what her experience with it, but kind of my, um, subjective view of it has been, is, is is it helps ease a lot of the anxiety, um, uh, just kind of general overall, happiness it seems to help you be happier um and and it's not it doesn't come with all of the it's a beautiful antidepressant and it doesn't come with a lot of the negatives or really any of the negatives uh side effects of your ssris and stuff uh what like weight gain and not getting an erection yeah yeah it sucks yeah yep. that's one of the reasons i got off <laughs> and well and the whole serotonin syndrome i mean that that's a fucking shitty one in itself um it's incredibly uncomfortable and it, i i i've looked and i've tried my hardest to find negative side effects uh of the microdosing and i haven't been able to see or find anything um no withdrawals i've done holidays to where i'll go a week or two without doing it there's there's no withdrawals uh there's there's just kind of an inclination to do it again um but, but there's nothing physical uh, uh from from doing it for now almost two years i i don't see any side effects at all um and that's beautiful in itself when you compare it to the pharmaceutical world of antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine it's almost like you're guaranteed to have a side effect that you can either live with and deal with or take another medication to combat they got a pill for that. Yeah. Yep. Can't get it up. We'll help you with that. Oh, you can get it up. But yep. Your blood pressure is too high. We got you. We got you, bro. What do you need? You want the, You need these drugs, don't you? It's exactly. That right. was the big part. There you go. That right there. Um, I after my accident, um, had a slew of mental health concerns, probably pre-existing, but then also was intensified because of the uh, the traumatic brain injury, and I was on just ten, fifteen different medications for a while. And I was able to get off all of them um, and feel better than I did when I was on them with the microdosing. You know, what's funny is you just reminded me of number one, when we met, which was, what was that like three years ago, four years ago over yeah. hanging out in Point Loma. And you reminded me, cause like when you first brought up all this stuff about DMT and all this plant medicine, I thought it was the dumbest thing. I was like, whatever, dude, like, okay, yeah, go get high to fix your problem of getting high. Yep. Um, it's funny to have that perception then and just be so markedly removed from that now, which is a, a very common trend for me. There's always like a content prior to investigation and then I'm thrust into investigation uh, either by, I don't know, serendipity or, or fate or whatever, but then there becomes an understanding <clears throat> and that's happened a lot. That's one of the biggest things that's come from me, compassion, right? Yep. From going from being so, and sometimes immediately judgmental, to now being like, wow, like I see myself 
in that. I've seen me doing that, right? So there's more of an understanding and with that comes more of kind of like a peace about me. I, my depression and my anxiety are, are lower now than they've ever been in my entire life. I'm not on any medications, right? Um, you know, even in the context of COVID, it's, it's not too bad. There are some bad days, don't get me wrong. Um, you know, a lot of stuff that obviously is not within the scope of, of this conversation, but just, you know, some of the deep days are, are always there. However, in general, there's always an understanding that comes with that even. So it's just a perception, a perspective shift that, that occurs. Yes. Uh, but you reminded me of, of my initial impression of this stuff. And I'm like, like it's stupid. But then looking at the results since then from you alone, like it seemed to have helped you out with your addiction problems. And then now as you're talking about with your family. So I think it's just, it's yeah. extremely promising. So it is my, I, I've kind of realized that you asked and I didn't go over it. Uh, my experience with the DMT was, was kind of like what you were talking about that, that I met, I had a conversation telepathically, uh, I guess with, with something that knew me better than I know me. Yep. Um, and, and it was the most compassionate and unconditional conversation uh, I've ever had. And it was with some, it was realer. It's so, I enjoy talking to people that have also experienced it because it's so fun trying to fumble fuck your way through using words to explain that experience. Um, it, it's so much fun because it's, it's impossible. Um, but, but yeah, I, I experienced something that was realer than this reality. And, and I communicated with something that knew me better than I know me. Yeah. Um, and had insights that I couldn't imagine about me. And, and it was, it was, it was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it, it was like the best friend I never knew I had, like best, yeah. best friend. Like think of somebody who you're in the presence and I hope everybody has at least a person somewhat like this. When you're around them, like you go away, there's just, you have the insights, everything, like all the, 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 the dick and fart jokes. And then like the deep conversations, it, it's all of that. This that's that was my exposure to this thing that was like, like you said, it knew me better than I knew me. It knew everything about me, but like there was never any judgment. It was perfectly understanding and funny, clever, and also just very wise. Like I don't, it was impossibly perfect combination of traits. But I think that's how this stuff works. I think it's infinitely more wonderful than we can ever even imagine. Our human experiences put us in a box, and you know, within that box, we can have so many different amazing journeys and, and, and inventions but the bottom line is we're still in that box right the only way to get out of that is to get out of the human mind to get out of the human experience well how the hell do you do that well you know, we chase it and drink and drug right and that works for a little bit and then we get the consequences of that which are somewhat horrible at times sorry my dogs yep my god um but yeah it's having that conversation the, the conversation right quote unquote um it's 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 like doing a sign language for somebody who's blind but like they get it they they know what you're trying to convey um it's just yeah you know, it's it's crazy it's it seems like it's it's bullshit it's made up and it can't possibly be it's the most real conversation i've ever had in my life more real than this yep. is happening right now so I'm that sure. was the part that, that, that amused and fascinated me and i guess got me hook line and sinker is it it felt realer than this. And, and then I kind of got stuck on the idea of like, well, I mean, this is a fabrication. This is a hallucination. Your brain is the one that, that makes this. And it is, it is not interacting with any of this. This is all input 
it puts together and facilitates this hallucination. And then with all you have to do is change some of the, the, the chemicals, so to speak, that it's working off of, and you can have a completely different experience. And I really got caught up on that consciousness. What is this reality? What is, what is this experience? You know, this, we perceive this as being real and tangible, but, but this is all still just a hallucination and a fabrication of interpretation of what the brain processes, sees and feels. And just by tweaking some of the, the, the chemicals that are floating between the receptors, you can completely, completely change it. And, but still have that sensation and that feeling of real and it, that whole thing just, just completely intrigued me. Uh, and that's now kind of what has led me onto the, the neuroscience degree is like, I want to understand more about it. Once I had my TBI and I was talking to my neurologist and he had no explanation as to how or why I recovered the way I did. And when I kept poking him with questions, he finally stopped me and was like, look, our understanding of the brain is a bunch of theories that haven't been proven wrong. And I was just like, whoa. All right. Like, like I was operating under this belief that we just had to have all the stuff figured out. And then to find out that the most important thing in our experience, in our reality, in all of this, we have no fucking clue by the host and not yeah. includes what it's, I don't know. It's a zoom. Okay. Part. It, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, but, but that, that, that part really, really got me. And I was like, I, I now hope to spend the rest of my life trying to figure out more about the brain and consciousness and how it's doing this. It yeah. just intrigues me so much. It's so what's the, what's the desired, I guess, what's the why? Like I get like that we have these amazing experiences. Okay. So this understanding you have or will have of the brain, if you reach that point, let's say you get perfect understanding, like what will you do with that? What's the point? Hmm. There's the, there's the like overall benefit, like of wanting to do good. Like I would love to help and, and to have some better alternatives to addiction, to, to mental health, um, depression, anxiety. I, I feel like we're still playing in the, in the kiddie pool with all the shit that we're trying to do. Um, and I believe that this stuff will have a greater effect. And I think if we can understand how the brain's actually working and what it's actually doing and how it fabricates all of this. Um, I think we can, we can fix some of the things that we think needs fixing. Um, and then there's the kind of self-fulfilling, just, just desire to, to know. I, it's, um, I, for me, I can't think of anything more important than understanding like, like it, it feels like my purpose yeah. to, to, to figure this out because it is so incredibly satisfying when I read and when I do things on this specific subject, I haven't gotten it anywhere else. Yeah. And so I just, for me, want to, to know more and to understand more. And that's kind of why I picked this. This is because I don't see there ever being an end. I don't in my lifetime, at least, I don't see there being a perfect understanding of the brain because the doors are completely open and we know so little. There is so much that needs to be done. 
it's a never ending goal. And I kind of like that, that like I can spend the rest of my life researching and trying to understand and progress our understanding, but I will never be able to, I don't believe I'll ever know everything or have a total complete perfect understanding of how and what the brain is doing. And that kind of actually brings me some peace um, because I've realized in my own past that whenever the goal is reached or when the goal is too easy to reach, I, I quit, I get depressed. I, I don't okay. enjoy it. And I like that this, I feel so strongly driven and passionate about, and I will actively continuously pursue this goal, but there's most likely never an end. And I like that. <laughs> yeah. That, that's yeah. The, this like finality of us, like arriving somewhere is a, is a, it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's a it's a lost cause like I've done that too like okay when I get to this point I'm gonna look a certain way feel a certain way things are gonna be a certain way and and that has proven time and time again to never be the case it's always a false peak that's what I was looking at it's a false peak you're convinced it's the tip of Mount St. Helens it's not the tip there's another one always there's always another one right unless I can come to the understanding that there is no summit right? For me, and that's just for me. Like everyone's got like, oh, well, I'm at the summit now. I've got white kids. Great. But for me, there's no such thing because when I'm on top, I can see everything. I can see the next thing that I want to do, that I need to do, that I, that'll make me look good or to feel, you know, whatever. But when it comes to things like having passion, you know, it's something that's, it's like, if you can hook into it, you're golden. And if you can pursue it even better, right? If you get paid for it, the, the best, that's, yep. that's ultimately like really like in this little realm, like what we're trying to deal with, but the passion and the purpose that are driving this thing, I, it's just, it makes it so much more enjoyable. It's like living a life, not working a job. Like it's just everything about it experientially is, is infinitely better than like, I've got to do this task. I've got this I have to do. I've got checklists. It, that, that stuff is exhausting. Like, like people, uh, people will die from overwork from their jobs, like, especially in Japan, because they just fucking work those guys like crazy. Um, and it's like, at the end of the day, when I'm on my deathbed, when things are starting to shut down, and I can finally, maybe even for the first time, if I haven't had these experiences, kind of let, let go of some of the bullshit. Like, what do I, what do I want to say I've done with my life? That's a really tough question to answer. Some people want to rate, I, I keep it simple. One day, have a family, help some people out, give back a little bit. You know, that's a, that's an impression I got young when I was a, a little Mikey running around causing havoc. Um, but it, that process is, is, is quite, quite wonderful in a lot of ways. And, and also very, you know, it's a abrasive, you know, like chopping away at the, uh, the parts that are only going to get in the way of that, the immaturity, yeah. you know, the, 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 self-confidence stuff, all the stuff that we, we deal with on a daily basis, but things that for me have become just another obstacle that you have to figure out. So I don't, I don't want to get too much on a tangent with that because you mentioned your, your TBI and I, I remember the story, but would you mind telling it again? Yeah. Um, motorcycle accident, um, managed to do hit a tree, was ejected from uh, the bike, flew about 45 feet into a townhome. Uh, broke pelvis, femur, fib tip, patella, tore LCL, PCL, patella tendon, broke T5 in my back, had a severe TBI, um, glass cow of three, 
was in a coma for four days, uh, total accident amnesia for about a month. Um, I'm told that I was full blown altered realities while I had external fixtures all up and down my leg. I thought I was playing at FIFA world cup. Um, I, I was, I was wheels off and then, um, finally got moved to a recovery hospital, had little, uh, had, had a pretty rough prognosis. They didn't think that there was going to be much. Um, and then literally like a light switch, uh, flipped one day whenever I was in the hospital taking a shower, I can remember the moment. And it was like the following day, the speech occupational therapies and all that shit that I was doing that I could not get through the day before I was bored with. Um, and that's kind of, it's been up from there, but I, I was, I was pretty wrecked mentally, uh, cognitively. And then came back. So what led to that? What led to this, this accident, this, this incident? Um, I don't know. The accident happened on a Friday night and I have no memory of the entire day. Um, story goes, we were at the pool with wife and kids. I went, we got home from the pool. I went to go get drinks and that was where the wreck happened. Um, so from the day that the accident happened, I have no memory of that day. And then I'd have no memory for about three weeks after the accident. Um, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's insane. It's weird to think about like having, experiencing something and not remembering it, you know, blacking out. Right. That's such a weird thing. You mentioned your neurologist, uh, had said like, look, we don't know what's going on. We have just a little bit of of theory, but he was also kind of taken aback very much. So at the fact that you survived and, and have recovered the way you have. Yeah, so. Yes. Uh, he, he was, uh, at Naval station Balboa, which is a pretty big medical facility on the West coast. As you know, um, he'd been a neurologist for I think 12, 13 years. So he'd seen some shit and he was like, I've literally only had two or three other people like this. Um, and he had no, no explanation as to how the switch flipped, why the switch flipped and how the cognitive abilities managed to come back. Um, what do you think it did? I, I have no idea. It's one of the things I'm really excited about pursuing this neuroscience degree is I can't wait till I start getting into some of the upper level classes and to actually bring some of my cats and MRIs in and, and have it and, and try and figure it out. Um, Cause I, I guess the a theory that I kind of go with is the, the brain really recognized that it was pretty fucked up um, and it just needed to kind of get rid of the ego and the consciousness and me while it sorted out and fixed itself and reconnected and rewired or did whatever it needed to do. And then once it felt like it was at a, a plate where a place where I could return, it turned me back on, so to speak. And I was able to return. Uh, well, I mean, it's one thing that's a very back. dumbed down theory. No, it's yeah, I, I get it. Right. Um, it's one thing to look back and to give an explanation for what did happen or what we think happened, but, but really like that doesn't always happen though. Like not everyone's brain is like, well, I'm just going to put you aside, you know, do my shit over here. And this is just the way things are. You know, people don't recover from that. You know, they stay in a veg- vegetative state. Um, they die right on the scene. Like, so I, I guess that was the question I was asking is, yeah, have you spent time reflecting on like, why is this happening to me? What's the point? 
Um, yes and no. I, I haven't specifically reflected on that question, but now with the way with you asking it, I'm now looking back and I, I think it's kind of the, the idea that we believe everything happens for a reason. Um, I still stand by to this day that that accident was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Um, somebody, something knew it was going to take a lot more than a slap in the face for me to change my ways. So they obliged and, you know, almost killed me. And uh, it, it was single handedly responsible for, for giving me the most satisfying and fulfilling sense of purpose I've ever experienced, even over the kids and the spouse and everything, this neuroscience and desire and drive and allurement to the brain and consciousness is, is, is beautiful. And I am so thankful for it. And had that not happened, I wouldn't have this had my cognitive abilities not been shut off and then turned back on and all of that stuff. I would not be in the place that I am now. And I am very happy in the place that I am now and the path that I'm set on. What was the path like before? Um, reckless abandonment, just kind of lost, fumbling away, trying to morph and mimic those around me that I thought had figured out, um, had it figured out. And, and I just, I, I didn't, okay. I didn't know I was smart. And I don't mean to be sound conceited, but like, I didn't know I was smart until after my accident and I had my neurological testing and stuff done. And, and the guy was like, uh, this is really good results here, man. <laughs> and, and I just never understood that the way I thought was any different or any better than those around me. Um, I struggled throughout school, uh, high school. My mom pulled me out of high school whenever I was a on the first day of sophomore year said she was going to homeschool me. And then she moved away like two days later. And I didn't have the personality to homeschool myself <laughs> with all of my extracurricular activities. Right. Um, and so academic was done. And then I was kind of being brought up in Texas. I thought the, your worth as a man was how hard you worked. And I enjoyed physical labor. I, I had, I, I did. I worked in the oil field before I did HVAC. I thought how much you sweated and how hard you worked showed how hard of, or how good of a man you were. That's a real man. And th I was caught up on that idea and completely put any kind of intellectual or academic goal or desire just put away. I was planning on after I got out of the military to get a mechanic degree and be a mechanic somewhere. Cause I just thought that was cool and turn a wrench and sweat and get dirty. Um, accident happened and I was thrusted into this, this, this fascination. I, I was introduced to it and, and made me, I found out that I was smart. And then I kind of came up with this idea of like, well, there's a lot of people that would like to do these things and would wish that they were academically good. And, and I am, and I don't want to waste it. And I, I don't know, it, it aligned with what everything kind of aligned after the accident everything made sense yeah and i was so i i'm still to this day i am so thankful for that accident um, yeah it's 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 crazy you know i got to at the time that that we met um like there was a big shift you know and I, I try not to spend too much time on my own story because i don't want to make this about me i definitely had like a very similar thing it's like i feel like i'd lived this moment uh, a million times right like an infinite number of times if you will but this time I did something different. This is the one time that I approached the situation again 
with no real memory of what had happened, but yet knew that there's one path and there's another. Um, it's very, you know, almost like romanticized. It's just the way that my brain kind of processes it. But that's what feels so real to me is that this is not a reality I've ever lived before. That one I've lived over and over and over again because the consequence of that decision at that point led to more harm, led to more, et cetera, right? So I feel like for me, like it's, it's, it's a path that I've never been on. And uh, for why? Still trying to figure that out, right? Like it didn't, for me, make everything all sunshine and rainbows quite the opposite in a lot of ways. However, I think there is a lot of redeeming qualities that have come out of that. People like me tend to be a little bit slower in the uptake when it comes to giving a shit, to put it lightly. Um, I'm slow, but I get there. And, uh, you know, the, the consequences of that have been, I mean, just very tough, you know, pushing people away that you wish were, were still around, all that good stuff. So to hear your story and other people's stories that are, that are kind of like this, where it's like, the rude awakening or the sudden shift. And then everything after that is it's very purpose driven and very, very wonderful in a lot of ways. So, you know, I very much, I'd like to hear all this stuff. So since then, you know, like everything with the wife, uh, you, you have your kids and you know, you're becoming like this, what do you, the degrees in neuroscience? Uh, yeah. Majoring in behavioral neuroscience. Behavioral neuroscience. So you're becoming this behavioral neuroscience scientist i'm trying to think of like an official thing i don't know a doc a scientist and you're going to be given all this stuff back um what's the next step for you like after school like what do you are you going to graduate school like what are you what are you looking to do yeah um long term uh plan on getting a phd um and then staying i would like to stay whether it's at csu or another college i want to do research i hope to be spending the rest of my life learning about the brain and researching the brain. Um, I really don't care to do anything else. Yeah. Uh, And so like I plan on being in school most likely for the rest of my life in one way or another, because this, this is kind of like the final frontier of medical. Everybody says, you know what, there's a Renaissance and with the brain, the psychedelic Renaissance, um, the, the brain and consciousness and all of it is what I've been told is kind of like the final frontier uh, in medical understanding we, we don't know we have a lot of the rest of the anatomy and everything f- figured out but we don't know much here and so i hope to just be learning and trying to progress our understanding of the brain for the rest of my life yeah yeah it's like you have the the, the structure and the mechanics of it but like the experience itself is very much predicated on that but very much removed from that at the same time like for example you mentioned you know growing up in texas and this concept of what it's like to be a man I remember feeling that exact same way. My perception of that is all these impossible qualities rolled up into one, right? Like intelligent more so than everyone else, you know, strong more so than everyone else. Like just every, like every single little metric and detail that I gathered from like watching movies. So you had to be the Terminator, right? You had to also had to be goodwill hunting and you also had to be like, you know, the funny class clown and all this and all that. Right. And what that led for me to be is never myself. Yep. So a lot of this has been, you know, just the, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do or I've ever done is just being me, right? And like not pretending I like something because somebody else likes it. I don't know if you've done that, that quite a bit. Yeah. That's what the accident did. That it, You asked a second ago what happened, you know, with the knowledge yeah. and all that stuff. That is what happened is I finally stopped trying to be everybody else or who everybody wanted me to be. And I finally figured out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do, and what I felt like suited me best, and what I was best at, and everything, 
that all happened right there. Exactly what you're talking about. To what extent do you think uh, having a wife and kids played in that, like as opposed to being single and down? Um, what do you mean? So, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like a sense of responsibility, maybe a sense of stability. Like, as opposed to, okay, you come out of this thing and you're, you're all by yourself. Like, do you wonder, do you ever think if you would go back to some of the stuff that led you to the incident to begin with? Or do having, I ever think what? So like, did having a family help, help keep you in line or was it entirely just the recognition that you have this purpose? I think it was the, the rec, entirely the, the recognition that I had this purpose. The, the family helped, um, support through the 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 physical emotional recovery um the addictive recovery or addiction recovery it, they helped you know be support through all of that but i think it was the fundamentally the 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 experience of realizing my purpose um i i go back and forth quite a bit on on do the kids and the family help or hurt at this point you know with yeah this COVID going on and it, it is difficult to, to focus on the studies and the school while having everything else going on. Uh, there's a selfish aspect that like, I feel like it would here you go. I think it might be easier without them, but it would not be as rewarding. And so that's kind of like the double-edged sword. Um, I don't like easy things. I enjoy hard things, challenges, difficult and adversity and all that shit. Um, the lazy part of me does think, you know, if I didn't have them, man, it would be a lot easier, but it is, it is, it is very rewarding having them, you know, when I hear my son, you know, with a new kid that he met in the cul-de-sac or something, my dad's going to be a scientist, like that shit's cool. Um, and they do, they do help, you know, the missus helps when I am getting way too stressed and there is so much going on. Um, they, they do help, um, but, but I haven't come to a true decision or conclusion as to whether or not it's better or worse. I only know what I'm experiencing and all that I'm experiencing is doing it with the family. And so I can think about and fantasize about the hypothetical, not having them. Sure. But at the end of the day, I have them, yeah. you know, you just accept that. Yeah. No, I'm just curious. Cause obviously I'm single, no wife mm-hmm. no kids have been married and, you know, just had my experience with that. So I, I think I'm always thinking about like the reality of the way things are and relationships are hard work right? They, they, that's just, there's no two ways. You want challenge, get married. Like that'll be all the difficulty you ever need. And, uh, <laughs> and people like me, like, like there's, I, I'm the same way in terms of the most rewarding things are the things that take something out of me, right? It requires effort. If I, if it's, if it's too easy, I won't even touch it. It's not even worth my time. Yep. That being said, that doesn't mean that every single thing I do has to be the most challenging fucking way of going about it. So when you have, say, a job that's challenging and a relationship that's challenging and finances are challenging, it's like something's got to give. For, for me, that ended up being pretty much everything but the job. And then this other problem comes up and then the job went away. So yep. it's just interesting the way things kind of turn out. So, but, but looking ahead, I think, okay, well, one day I'm going to be in a relationship again. And like, who do I want to be in that relationship? And what is this relationship going to entail? going to entail a lot of boundary setting a lot of patience a lot of understanding and at times when I don't want to do any of that right at times when I just want to like shut down I got to open up at times when I want to get away I got to be present so it's it's feels like that's how my life's kind of gone is this constant like 
pulling apart of, of soul and, and mind or whatever you want to call it, and then trying to reconsolidate and, and figure out like what really matters. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's, it's hard. It, it's definitely difficult of, of getting everything to line up, you know, like yeah. you're talking about it, it, the relationship aspect is, is it's another human being that you are trying to coexist with. And yes, we are very social beings, but none of us think the same. And so we need each other, but we're unable to, to think the same, feel the same experience life the same way. And it is a struggle. Um, it, It is difficult. What's the difficulty exactly? So I, I'm trying to think of like the old school analogies of, I mean, it's knowing when you're right and wrong. And there's just so many times that at least for me and my personality and my behavior, I was a very stubborn person. Um, I love logic and rationale and I, that's how I argue and debate. And especially with going with, with a female, you know, or any relationship that it's not, they're not going to see the same logic that you see. They're not going to see the same rationale that you see, and they're not going to, accept or understand where you're coming from and you have to just be okay with that and that was really hard for me to get over and get through for a very long time because i was so caught up on no i'm fucking right and what i'm saying is the best course of path or the best choice or whatever yeah and and finally just recognizing that i don't know we don't all have to agree and it sounds all cheesy and woo woo talking about with everything going on in the world right now, but it even comes down to the, the smaller relationships of one-on-one of like, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's a difficult, and nobody really does. Right. That's why we have specialists. That's why we have books. That's why we have, you know, seminars and and people are paying a lot of money to to want to understand people like me, right. Like (laughs) that were, Hey, I had this relationship and it went to shit. Um, here's all the things I've learned about myself and here's everything I have no clue about. So we, we kind of look for examples in uh, in our immediate environment, which I didn't really have because my parents split up at an early age. And it, I think yours did too, right? They, they were, yeah. So it's just interesting now that you and a lot of people in my family have these marriages that for all intents and purposes are successful. Uh, they have kids, like everyone's got kids now. And I'm just like, how do they do that? And, you know, I, I wasn't able to. Um, so I'm always just like kind of curious about that. It's just been one of those things in this COVID context. I'm like, I've got too much time to spend up in my mind. So I'm just like, Oh man, like that's, that was one of my big things with COVID is I was like, this, this is so hard because I, with, I use the kids, you know, I I now have to was spending, you know, 24 seven with the kids and that's not good or healthy for anybody of like with any human being replace the kids with you, with my best friend, with my mom, with my wife, we're not supposed to be 24 seven together. And then I don't even want to be alone with myself 24 seven. That's why I go hang out with other people. So I can socialize, get feedback and do all that stuff. And, And yeah, I totally understand what you're saying. Of like you having too much time alone up here, is you need to get away from even yourself, so to speak. Yeah. And this is not allowing it. It's hard. Yeah. I need to bounce ideas off people because my idea in my head sounds really good. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I should have, they should have done that. You're right, dude. They, they fucked you over. Can you believe that? If I don't get that out, 
like I'll be I'll be back in victim stance. I'll be back in self pity. Like very quickly, it happens so quickly. But as long as I'm interacting with other people and getting it off my chest, even for just a minute, and this happened very recently, just very recent conversation that I never expected would have happened, happened beautifully. That just, mm-hmm. just blew my mind. You know, somebody that had no purpose, well, to ask for ask if I'm okay, other than like from a professional standpoint, right? But who genuinely cared and said like, hey, like, I've just noticed some things. Are you doing okay? Simple as that. I was like, wow, like nobody ever really... Nobody really asked. Like, maybe sometimes, like, how are you doing? That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing as, are you okay? Yeah. Oh, God. Like, just, I almost broke down in tears. I really did. Yeah. It's like, I can't believe this person is actually asking me. This is happening. This is actually happening right now. So all the other shit went away, and I'm just here in that moment, and I'm like, how do I respond to this? Well, I need to be honest, but how honest can I be? And I voiced that. I'm like, I don't know how honest I can be with you. And it just, the way it developed is, is thankfully in a way that I couldn't possibly plan out in my head. In my head, I, I was on the defense. I'm like, here's points A, B, and C, and explanation X, Y, and Z. And that went completely out the fucking window, completely. It was That's it, awesome. Amazing. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It, it is that, that, that discourse, that, that, that communication. Like a lot of times you don't even need their feedback and they don't even need to start saying anything yet. And you just saying it to the other person and getting it out of just here in that internal dialogue, you realize how insane or silly it is. Yes. But you got to have that, you know? (laughs) Well, that's, you know, kind of tying this back into the, to the veteran thing. And we're always trying to be conscious of the, the daily suicide rates and always want to have an impact on that is it's the isolation, not perfectly right. Not I figured it out. Isolation but that's a big one, right? That's something for me that like when things start going a certain way in the, in the last analysis, it's always getting away from people. I don't really need to call that person. I'll I'll get back to them later. Um, Laziness. Yep. Just this forgetting of why. Um, And that becomes more and more ingrained in me, like why I need it. And that's usually the touchstone. Uh, The corner was the touchstone of spirituality is, is pain. Yeah, something like that. Um, I don't remember exactly how it goes, but I mean, there's a reason for that because through the shit is when we get to like the real gems of these understandings. So, yeah, it's that was a very uncomfortable, what was going to be an extremely uncomfortable moment, and it ends up being such a release, you know, to to be able to share that with somebody. But yeah, like I'm doing this training for this assessment um, that we'll be administering to other people, and one of the things they want you to do is when when I ask you a question to respond repeat back the answer you gave to me. Like, so you said that you experienced this three times a month, like, like to, to do that with a, a lot of the questions. And so they can hear from another person what they are telling you. And it's mm. just something about that, that ping pong kind of interaction. Like it gains, people gain insights in themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you hear somebody else say it back to you, even if it's the exact quote verbatim, what you said, you can go, well, that sounds fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you can, you're like, oh, I never, I never heard it, you know, because there is once with just that internal dialogue, it, it, it's very, it can be very misleading. Very much so because it feels right. Yep. You know, for me, it's always about how I, like, how do I feel about it? And I fucking hate that about myself. Well, I mean, like, I don't hate it, but feelings aren't facts. All right. Like, I can feel myself doing anything. Right. And that, that has led to, you know, places I don't want to go to, 
but like to counter that and to know why I'm countering it and why, or uh, to know why I'm countering it and when is, is really important. And that's, that's taken time and experience. Um, and again, like without other people around, it's like, it just goes bad. It just stays a, a thought in my mind, a feeling that I act on. And then that's like, boom, you know, you have addiction, you have shitty relationships or none at all. Um, isolation, so on and so forth becomes that perfect storm. Right. And I feel like with, especially us as veterans coming out of the military and getting back into life, you know, transition can be just weird. So I don't know. What, what was that like for you? Cause you got out around the time that I did. That's maybe like three years ago. Um, it's been, it's been difficult. Uh, I guess my kind of take on it would be of like you, the, the camaraderie is it, it changes your standard. Um, whenever you experience adversity or challenging situations with other people and then that, that, that creates a very strong relationship and that kind of changes your standard for whenever, for me, it changed my standard for whenever I got out, um, what I expected from a relationship. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't had any real luck. I, the school I was going to, I knew I was leaving the, the community college. I still don't have, I haven't made any connections. I haven't made any friends, just moved to a new state with this whole COVID fucking thing. Um, I, I haven't really, I haven't figured out the relationship aspect and how to adjust my standard or put myself out there. Another big part of it was, it has been the not drinking. Um, beforehand, that was how all of my relationships were kindled. <laughs> um, that's how you met. That's how you hung out. That's just what we did. What being in the South, I don't know if it was my culture of where I grew up or what, but that was how I always did it. And then now not drinking at all. And then with the COVID and then like I was talking about of like my standards were kind of set pretty high after the relationships in, that I had in the military I haven't been able to get any of that same feelings um, and, and it's difficult. I keep kind of putting it off. Uh, I'm hopeful that after COVID goes down and school can get back to the way it was, I'm hoping that I will find people within the neuroscience community at my school that have similar interests, similar background, and maybe I can create a relationship with that. Um, but it has definitely been difficult since getting out that was what made me aware of I'm a social creature. Um, like I'm very, I've always thrived and lived off of social interactions. And I've always had a lot of relationships and a lot of friendships and stuff. And then now since I've been out, it's 99% been my wife and kids. Yeah. And we yeah. need a lot more different types and dynamic relationships than just that. And I'm aware of it and I'm hoping and looking forward to getting them but I haven't quite figured out how to yet. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a difficult part, right? Like knowing that we value this and knowing how important it is. And yet sometimes, especially in a context where it's a safety issue or a health issue, like how the hell do we go about doing that? It seems like sometimes you just have to wait. Yep. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Um, you, know, you don't realize what you have until it's gone. Like all the cliches, like there's a reason for that. And yep. some of the pain that comes along with that is, again, a, a touchstone for like, this is why this matters, you know, for it, for no other reason than, than to not be in my own skin, which I don't want to be, you know, often enough. It's so funny. Cause like when I first met you, God, it was, it was just like, again, contemporary investigation. I think you had a cane 
you know, you'd carry a few extra pounds. I had no idea what you'd been through. I didn't give a shit. I was just like, yeah, look at this piece of shit. Like, <laughs> I thought you were like the biggest dirtbag. And then we ended up talking and we had, have had some of the more in-depth, like soul conversations that, that I've ever had with another human being. And I realized, you know, what you had a, almost were kind of reluctant to point out, which is like, you're actually very intelligent. At first I thought you were full of shit. Like one of those guys, like, you know, just no sports statistics and always has a one-up story, but you were nothing like that. Nothing like that at all. Um, we ended up opening up quite a bit. So that was, that was actually really cool. It's, it's, it's crazy the way things work out. Right. And thankfully my judgment didn't get in the way of, of formation of like a really important relationship because we, I don't keep in contact with a lot of people, even at the team, you know, that, that I was really close with. Um, mm-hmm. They've got their own thing going on. I've got my thing going on. So it's, it's like it, we completely separate. And that's, mm-hmm. that kind of, it's, it kind of sucks sometimes. So I remember how close I got to some of these guys. And yeah, like you said, it's a different interaction. And then it becomes an expectation of like, I want more of this. Yep. Part of that is I've got to change, you know, me, things about me that are getting in the way of that, or they got in the way of that, like with the addiction stuff. And the other part is, I don't know, circumstance and effort. Because then everyone I meet, I have a fucking super great conversation with, right? Yeah, that's why I've always thought it was interesting that you claim to be introvert and not a social being because from whenever I met you, <laughs> you wouldn't shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're about as social as they come. Um, <laughs> And yeah, I am glad that everything, I guess, happens for a reason. And we did. I don't think I just gave a shit that you were kind of dismissive to me at first. I I just ignored it. (laughs) And uh, I I am also, I'm very glad we have had some very, some conversations that have had lasting effects. And I'm very thankful for those. Yeah, man. Well, I got to wrap this up and and head on to the next thing, but dude, Obviously, we're going to keep in touch. Let's do this again sometime. I'm going to think about a lot, but I'm going to think about a lot of things we covered here and come back with some more some more shit for you. I would love to because this has been, again, I agree that it's not as valuable as in person, but this has been the longest conversation that I've had with another person other than my wife and kids in several weeks, if not months. <laughs> oh, one final question. Um, I almost forgot. If you can go back in time and talk to the younger version of you, it could be 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, what piece of advice would you give yourself? Take your time thinking about it. There's no rush. I don't think I'd give him any advice um, because I wouldn't want to change anything. Um, I, I'm very a strong believer that you know, everything happens for a reason. And so all of my past experiences, good, bad, ugly, or whatever, have all led me to where I am now. And I'm finally happy with the path I'm on. And if I was to give any advice to change any of these situations, and a lot of times people go after the negative experience and stuff, but I think those are just as valuable, if not more valuable than the positive ones. I am so thankful for my addiction. I am so thankful for my accident. I am so thankful for so many shitty, shitty things that have happened to me in my life because I understand that those have made me who I am today. And had I lost or not experienced any of those things, good or bad, I would not be who I am today. And so my advice would probably be stay on path and it'll sort itself out. (laughs) Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, Because because I don't, 
again, if I wouldn't have been, if I wouldn't have gotten addicted, if I wouldn't have had to be emancipated, if I wasn't abandoned by my parents, if I, if any of those things had not happened, that wouldn't have equated to who I am today. And I'm still continuing and trying to improve myself. I'm not totally happy with who I am today. And there's a lot of things that I need to work on and improve, but I am very happy with the fucking path that I'm on, the self-awareness that I have and what I'm doing and how I'm approaching it. And so I don't think I would give too much advice because I wouldn't want to alter the course. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it. I think, and I don't want to, this could easily dovetail to a hundred other things right now. And I just don't have time for in this moment. Um, but I have a, a, a counter to that, that I, yeah. Anyway, I'll keep it. No, you got it. You got to give me the counter. I got to keep you hanging, man. Um, oh, it's bullshit. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, thank you for coming on. I'm going to take some, write down a few things. And when we do talk again, we can, it can be soon. It won't have to wait too long. Um, we'll start with that. We'll start with what you ended with, because I think that'll be a good, really good conversation piece. I'm putting it down. <laughs> Go ahead and pencil me in, please. Thanks. Mikey's counter. Yeah. Oof. Good. I'm going to hydrate and, so, <laughs> get my mind moving but yeah dude seriously i, I really appreciate it um hope everything continues to work out for you in colorado and we'll do this again sometime ditto and sounds good man awesome buddy thank you for listening to today's podcast please read the show notes for any links or other amplifying information mentioned or used in the production of today's show climb four is a registered 501c3 to purchase merchandise contribute donations or to apply for hiking camping equipment or to send us a message please visit Climb4 at www.climb-4.org. That's www.climb-4.org. And if you're a veteran and wish to be on the podcast, please send an email to info at climb-4.org. Once again, that's info at climb-4.org. See you next time.